Since Manchester City began to dominate the Premier League under Pep Guardiola, their most consistent challengers have been Liverpool. The Reds won the title in 2020. They were agonisingly close to another crown in 2022 as they amassed a staggering 92 points, which somehow wasn't enough to finish ahead of their old foes. Now City and Liverpool are title rivals again. They clash on Saturday lunchtime. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. My top tipping team, raring to go after the international break, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark, City's late slip-up in that eight-goal thriller at Chelsea, which seems about three years ago now, uh, means they're only a point ahead of Liverpool and Arsenal in that title race. What's your assessment of where the race for the Premier League is after 12 games? Good question, really, because I was looking at this match before this weekend and trying to analyse both teams and see where they're at individually. And I think the feeling for me is is quite similar on both sides, actually. Um, they've been getting good results, generating relatively positive momentum for the most part, without really coming close to what I would consider to be top gear, uh, at least consistently um, from a Liverpool perspective. We know that they're a winning machine at Anfield, but at times they can be quite unconvincing on their travels. Um, if you look at their records so far this season in the Premier League, they're still without an away clean sheet, which is quite telling. Um, they failed to win at Brighton when playing pretty well. They failed to win at Chelsea on the opening weekend when you would consider that as possibly being one of the better times to play the Blues. Beaten at Spurs, obviously, in that controversial contest um, and then turned over Newcastle, but were probably second best until that electric final 20 minutes from Darwin Nunes. So, um, yeah, from a Liverpool perspective, I think there's still a lot more to come. But then we we said so much at the start of the season. We said it would be a while before they bed in and we saw the best of Liverpool because they are overhauling that midfield. I'm probably being more impressed than I possibly anticipated to be at this stage of the season, uh, how quick that process has taken. Um, but uh, from a Manchester City perspective, um, yeah, I mean... They're still the best team in the land. They're still the best team on, on the planet, really, when they when they want to be. But um, something seems to be a little bit missing, um, I guess. Um, I've talked about it in previous podcasts where, for me, it looks like Pep Guardiola is looking to, to strangle games a bit more often and, and not be the sort of relentless killing machine we've expected of old. They're not racking up these big high score lines, but they're... They're strangling teams and, and seeing the match out through through just sheer control, really. Um, so that performance at Stamford Bridge was was quite alarming in that respect. But I wouldn't be massively put off by that. Um, it did feel like a bit of a one-off, really. For the most part, they have been pretty um, ruthless in, in their operation so far. So this will be a, a really interesting um, encounter just to, to see where these two teams are at. And it's just a shame, I think, that... You know, the game of the season really is taking place in the early kickoff immediately after an international break. And we know Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool have made a big fuss about this particular time slot. And whether it's, you know, 
unfortunate or not, but this is the third time this season alone they've started the the international break as the early kickoff, and their performances in the previous two were were pretty underwhelming. Sure, they beat Wolves and, and Everton, but at least in the first half of both, they were very sleepy and pretty ordinary for the most part. And I think yeah, they were that's, dreadful early on at Wolves, weren't they? Really oh, uh, astonishingly bad, yeah. And I think McAllister was hooked early doors as well because he was clearly on a on a different continent. And and that's the concern from a Liverpool perspective going into this match as well. I think you've got Allison, McAllister, Darwin, and Luis Diaz all involved in South American World Cup qualifying action in the early hours of Wednesday. They wouldn't have been back to Merseyside before Wednesday night, you'd assume, um, possibly even later. It's a very quick turnaround there to go straight into a massive match against Man City, who are so good at the Etihad. It's 23 wins on the spin now across all competitions. Should they beat Liverpool on Saturday, it will equal a top flight record, um, but stood since 1892 by Sunderland. Um, and in contrast, you know, they've got Julian Alvarez who was involved in South American action on Tuesday night. But apart from that, they cunningly, I guess, um, pulled out most of their players from international duty through aches and strange and knocks and everything else. So from my assessment, I think it's only De Bruyne and Kovacic who are confirmed absentees. And I think there's a question mark over John Stones. But other than that, I fully expect all the others to be ready, present and available. So, um, yeah, this is a, a really interesting one. It's just a shame, I think, of the timing. Um in terms of a, a betting angle, I think City to, to win is, is obviously a decent starting point because of that win record at home, because of Liverpool's rocky away record. But the price doesn't massively appeal to me. Um, what is it, 177 now on the exchange? Um, I think that's probably about right. So you'd have to build something in there to make it a bit more favourable. Uh, my preference would possibly actually to be go a little bit against the grain and back under four and a half goals alongside a Man City win, which does boost the price up to about... 2.3, 2.4, which is which is very nice. And I appreciate I'd be swimming against the tide here. The expectation is for a you know a goal-heavy shootout, if you like. But uh I don't know. I have just perhaps it's the timing of this match. Um I'm just not convinced this escalates into a really high scoring affair just because of the magnitude, because of the respect that both coaches and both teams have for each other. And if you look at Man City's matches in the the big games that matter in the Premier League. Newcastle and Arsenal, both of those fixtures fell well below kind of pre-match excitement and expectations. So, um, yeah, it's a tricky one. I would normally be really, really into this match and really all over it from a, a betting angle too. But uh, there's a few question marks which I, I kind of need to be a bit more sure about before I get heavily involved. The Data Doctor is back after a long spell going around the world researching the best XG robots money can buy. Jake Oscarthorpe is with us. Jake, City without Kevin De Bruyne at the moment, have they been as dominant as they usually are? And just talking more globally, do you think Liverpool and Arsenal can actually stay with them going through the rest of the season? Um, yes and no. Um, Man City have been the best team and they've continued to play at the same level despite missing key players which is massively concerning for the rest of the Premier League because when they come back they should in theory be elevated to another level Um, and no I don't think Liverpool and Arsenal will be able to hang with them I really don't Um, I think the main thing that people were looking at pre-season were the transfers that both both clubs had made to improve their own squads but also the, the treble effect of you know a little bit of a dip a little bit of tiredness injuries that have been picked up but we're actually seeing more injuries picked up by their rivals as opposed to Man City um, I think that's you know Pep rotation Pep roulette could potentially help with that and the fact that he doesn't really stick to the same formation and obviously they've got the quality depth for it 
not to matter too much. Um, but yeah, they're, they're just performing at a scary level. Once again, the best defensive team in the league by a country mile on the underlying data. Second best attacking process in the league behind only Liverpool, which has generally been the, the case for the last three or four seasons. Liverpool have been the best attacking team. Um, so yeah, it's just been more of the same, even without De Bruyne, um, <clears throat> even with their own little mini rejig, Gundogan leaving, uh, Mares leaving, Cancelo leaving. Um, it's kind of continued. I know on the eye test, it hasn't potentially looked as dominant as what it has on the spreadsheets, but they're still top of the table. <laughs> How often yeah. do we get to this stage of the season and Man City aren't top of the table? Which is and the again, defense fr- power through, exactly. don't they, in the second we- half of the season? which is even more frightening for everyone involved because they usually give teams a head start. Um, they usually think it's too easy. So they usually give teams 10 points yeah. and, and say, right, we'll reel you in. Exactly. Um, so it's actually frightening that they're at this stage of the season and they're already top of the league and they've got a home game against the team that are second in the league and they could go even further clear. So um, I, I think it's it's ominous. And, and even that, you know, the 4-4 draw they had with Chelsea before, I, I know it was a late penalty. Chelsea played really well in that game. But, how concerning is it for Man City to play at 50%, not at the best, and still only draw against a potential top six quality team? Like That just kind of highlights the levels, really. And, and I think that they will brush Liverpool aside with fair, uh, with consummate ease at the weekend. I really do. Uh, a couple of reasons for that. As I mentioned, City's defence is excellent. I know they have conceded a lot of goals. Um, so 15 straight home wins they've had in the league, which, as Mark said, is close to a record. Nine of those have seen both teams to score. Um, so they do. They have conceded the odd goal. My bet for this is actually going to be City to win and both teams to score. Um, that's the way I'm going to play it. 15 to 8 is the price you're getting on the sports books, not price on the exchange just yet. But the main reason I just want to get against Liverpool is they're away form. It's absolutely abysmal. Like for a team that won a challenge at the top end of the table, since the start of last season, they've won eight, drawn eight and lost nine away from home, um, which is pretty pathetic uh, the process this season away from home they've conceded 1.65 expected goals against per game which is just an incredible number for a team that want to be challenging for the title if you take that from the start of last season it's around the same it's about one, uh, 1.68 um, and they're just no not m- controlling games away from home then is that the big issue I just think that the as we see with quite a lot of coaches nowadays they're very stubborn in the way in which they play, whether it be home or away. They don't seem to adapt too much. And I think that you, you, they take too many chances when they're playing away from home. They can get away with that Anfield because naturally when you play Anfield, the opposition is going to sit deeper and you're going to be able yeah. to win the ball back higher up the pitch uh, and sustain attacks. Whereas away from home, teams play, uh, play a little bit higher up the pitch. Obviously, you know how much fans and all the kind of atmosphere has to, to do with the the, you know, the the home team pushing higher up the pitch and trying to play more attacking I think that that definitely plays into it and for me the only way they're going to get a result here is if they kind of pivot on in terms of tactics and actually do play a little bit deeper themselves and look to spring because I don't think that they have the capabilities to go toe-to-toe with this Man City team especially with no McAllister um, you know Canate's a doubt so it looks like it's going to be Matip and, and Van Dijk at centre-half um, Trent He's still massive question marks when he comes into these big games, playing 1v1 against really direct wingers, especially the likes of Grealish or Doku or Foden, whoever it is. Well, Doku's been they're... sensational, hasn't he, at times, some of the games, because the the thing about yeah. him was always, you knew one-on-one he was terrific, but could he produce the end product? Well, at the moment, he is. 
He's been silly. I mean, people are raving about Cole Palmer and the fact that Chelsea bought him for like 40 million quid. I mean, Man City just went and bought this bloke for basically the same fee and he's having even more of an output. Like, he doesn't need penalties to get goal goal involvements. Um, yeah. That's no dig on Cole Palmer. I think he's a great player, but I think Doku is at a different level at this moment in his career and they're about a similar age. So uh, it's an incredible piece of business and it just shows just the the kind of the way in which they go about the things in terms of transfers and I know there's all the pending... Uh, charges yeah, and the monetary yeah. stuff but at this this just moment in time risk yeah, in just, a little, just, moment. just a little one <laughs> cheers Kev um, but yeah the the for me in this game I don't I just can't see Liverpool containing Manchester City and as Mark made a great point around all the the big South American players that are going to be you know, travelling a long way for Liverpool and, and Manchester City whether they've done it on purpose kind of reduced the number of African or South American players for this particular reason I don't know they're also one of the very few teams going into African Cup of Nations that won't have any players taking part in the African Cup of Nations I think Man United have got four uh, Newcastle are the other one that don't have any Liverpool obviously their biggest one Salah is going to be missing Yeah. Um, so there's, there's that kind of to look at and yeah I just think that this Liverpool def- defence there's a lot of praise around the fact that they've improved I don't think they've improved at all I think that, that City will maybe not so much have a field day but I can see it being a 3-1 very comfortable um, but yeah City to win and both teams to score I think Liverpool will get on the score they just have too much firepower um, yeah should be a good game but it's frightening for the rest of the Premier League this Man City team still Craig there, tipster and twice runner-up in the Cluedo Champions League. Emmett O'Keefe with us. Uh, Liverpool rebuilt their midfield in the summer, as Mark suggested. There was a fair bit of doom and gloom about what state they might be in, not least because they failed to qualify for the Champions League last season. But are you surprised how smoothly they seem to have dealt with that transition? Because McAllister seems to have played well even though they're not quite sure what his best role is Sobos Fires look great you know they they do look a bit more settled than people thought they would be in late November yeah um, I probably I'm I'm not that surprised in the sense that I did I did kind of tip them for the league before the season I did think the talent I think but, but I think what's interesting about the construction of this team is they're built to hammer the bad teams I would say this team that they're not necessarily I think it, it, these kind of games, if they're away at City, and then you maybe need to be need to be solid, or you need to con, or you need to contain top teams for long periods. This team isn't built for that. This team has with Sabosli, Sabosli, McAllister, Salah, Nunez, uh, and and um, and Luis Diaz, or whoever they whoever they pick in the front three. You're, you're you have like five unbelievably gifted attacking players that's going to pick the lock against bad teams that sit deep. I think like the, the Liverpool, this Liverpool team is built to accumulate. I think eighty-five to ninety points, and I think they'll get close to that. But I, I, I like Jake Salah. I think it's hard to trust them. Kind of a, away from home in these bigger clashes. <laughs> I think, but one thing I would say about City, it may just be an outlier game. But I, uh, that Chelsea game was pretty interesting. Like it was the first time they conceded four. Uh, they conceded four goals in the league since Leicester in twenty twenty, when uh, Jamie Vardy scored a hat trick. So you can yes. think it feels like it feels like a long time ago. The three points, the, 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 they conceded 3.47 expected goals against Chelsea. Was the, the last time they conceded three expected goals in a match was against Brentford. So that was just that was just before Christmas last season. And I thought one thing what it was really interesting what Chelsea did is 
and which I feel like most managers in the Premier League are afraid to do, is that Chelsea risked the hammering. They risk getting destroyed by City to give themselves a chance of getting a result, which most, I think most managers just must, they just want to lose the same way as everyone else. They just want to sit deep and lose two or three nil and, and go in the post-match interview and say how great City were and move on. Whereas I think Chelsea, like, because like if Chelsea had missed a few chances, if it hadn't gone their way, but like Chelsea gave up over three expected goals to City yeah. on another day, that could have been five. City could have scored five. Chelsea missed a couple of chances, it's five, two. And all the pundits. So what did after. Chelsea do to do that, Emmett? What was their approach then for people who haven't seen the game? Yeah. What did they actually do to take those risks? To me, the, the thing that stood out was they committed numbers on the counterattacks. I think what you have to do against City. The reality is the nature of the way City play they're going to have long periods of control. So when you have those unstructured moments out of possession, you have to try and maximise them as much as possible. You saw Conor Gallagher and the Chelsea midfielders pouring forward to, to try and get to try to try and yeah. score when they got the counters. And the other thing is, when you get those counter-attacking moments, you can't think like, that's our moment, then we'll sit back. You have to try and counter-press and then get a bit of a sustained control because it's just, we've all watched football enough. Like, if you're if you're kind of sitting back in City for like periods of 20 minutes at a time, that's just really difficult. You need to give your defence a break and, and, and kind of have and sustain those periods of kind of, periods of attack yourself. So I thought what Chelsea did is really interesting and I would be intrigued to see if more teams could try that. And I, because Chelsea as well, they did really expose Hosco Guardiol. I think that was another thing, is that the City kind of, I, I'd kind of said before the Chelsea game that, as Mark mentioned as well, like City, since since in, in recent years, Chelsea, City have really strangled opponents and they've kind of, they've curbed those kind of helter-skelter matches out out, out of their repertoire. Like they, you just, like that, that, that and that's why the, the Chelsea game was so surprising. I think most, very few teams have been actually able to to kind of create that chaos against this city structure, <clears throat> obviously part part of that might have been to do to, with, with um, John Stones' absence, but he would and he'll be absent again here. So I am just intrigued to see <clears throat> how many risks Liverpool are willing to take, and will Liverpool really risk that risk that hammering in, in order to kind of in order to make chances, maybe turn into a in a slightly more kind of helter skelter game. But having said that, like I. I think just with the Liverpool, I think with Canada absent and Robertson absent, I think that would be quite, that would be a dangerous strategy. Like I think, I, I, I listeners, regular listeners, and I, I don't really rate Simicast, the um, Liverpool's kind of sub, sub left back. And then yeah. I'll just be worried. There have been signs that Van Dijk is kind of getting back closer to the level of the player he was a couple of years ago. But I still would be worried about him and Matt up, up against Haaland, obviously. And Canada feels like a huge miss. <clears throat> So I think given that, I, I think given that and the fact that we might see a kind of a reaction from City against the helter-skelter nature of, of the Chelsea game, that would lead me, leads me towards under the goal total, maybe not seeing as much of a kind of a, of a high-scoring game as we've seen between these sides. Like the last 10 league matches between these teams have seen 32 goals, so 3.2 goals again, in relatively high, sco- high scoring. I wouldn't necessarily expect that again. Um, but to me, I thought the best bet I had again, going back to my old friend Simakas, was him to commit <laughs> two plus hit him to commit two plus fouls at five to six. I think that's a really good kind of bet builder selection. He's kind of averaging one point nine eight fouls committed per ninety minutes, and he's a really hard matchup against whoever whoever he plays against. With the most likely Phil Foden, I would say at that side, who, who who's kind of who's generally quite high in the fouls one stats, and on that as well, like it's a kind of I know the listeners 
there's <clears throat> may, may or may not be aware of this that we have a relatively kind of new market on site um, for for Betfair in kind of recent weeks. Is the is our fouls one or or, or to be fouls? I think that's kind of a really interesting option if you're looking for a kind of bet builder this weekend. So I think isn't if you're looking for kind of a to commit a foul and be foul doubles. There's loads of options with that. So I think I, I would I would encourage I definitely encourage uh, encourage listeners to take a look at those markets. And indeed, if uh, you are leaning towards some kind of bet builder, it's worth bearing in mind that Betfair is offering a completely free ACA or bet builder on this weekend's football. But you do have to opt in to claim it. Maximum bet between £1 and £10 per customer. The offer's open between the 23rd and the 27th of November. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. Chelsea on the charge after winning at Spurs and holding City to that remarkable 4-4 draw. They visit Newcastle. Jake, it seems the market can't really split them when it comes to the match odds. Yeah, I, I think that's probably fair as well, given the injury list which just keeps getting bigger and bigger for Newcastle um, it, it's actually getting a bit silly in the sense that they are missing what could be a, basically a full 11 uh, for this game uh, Tonali, Murphy, Byrne, Anderson Botman, Barnes, Wilson, Hall Almiron, Isak Shaw and Target are all not playing <laughs> that's a lot of players um, I don't know who's going to play left back, Byrne, Target are both out Lewis Hall. Eddie Howe might play. have to pull on the boots the way it's going. Yeah, or his assistant, Tyndall, he might yeah. get involved. He likes the limelight. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Lewis Hall, he is on loan from Chelsea, so can't play. Um, and yeah, you've got a Chelsea team are starting to fire. They're starting to find a little bit of form, finding the feet, a bit of consistency in their 11 after a lot of injuries pre-season, uh, at, at the start of the season. And I think their performances and results against better teams so far this campaign uh, highlight that they actually prefer playing these kind of games rather than playing as, as as underdogs and having to break down a deep block. Yeah, They've won one, drawn three and lost one, which on the face of it doesn't seem like a great record, but to avoid defeat in four games against teams that are going to finish in within the top seven is probably a decent um, outcome. Uh, they've actually should have beaten Arsenal, shouldn't they? They should have beaten Arsenal. Uh, they were really good against Man City. They, they were probably the better team against Liverpool as well. Uh, when they played them on the first day, they created some good chances in that game. Um, and I think that this is an the fact that this is away from home is another big positive for Chelsea because their home form is absolutely wretched. I think it's three wins in 19 this calendar year at Stamford Bridge in the league, which is uh, is appalling. Away from home, they've won three of five so far this season. Um, so yeah, I think that this is definitely a good spot for them. Um, I just yeah, just look at Newcastle. They've got the, the squad issue. Um, they they obviously were well beaten at Bournemouth in the final game before the break. They have a big Champions League clash coming up as well in midweek. Huge, huge. I don't game. know if I don't know if they're they're in at the stage where they're you know, not down in tools, but prioritising that Champions League game over this game. I don't think that they would do that. But looking at the squad, they've not really got much choice as to who they're going to pick. Um, and yeah, Chelsea's underlying numbers in those matches against the better teams. They're a little bit skewed because of that Tottenham game where it was just, we'll kick it long and have a one-on-one because you're playing such a high line. Um, 20 but, minutes of the most brain-dead football I've ever seen in my life. But when you had Tottenham fun watching it though, didn't nine you, men And it, it, it was extraordinary. It really just pure was. vibes, mate. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if, if, if you... Yeah, the... the if you take away that game, um, their attacking figure still stands at around 1.8 expected goals for per game across those uh, other matches against the better teams. 
And defensively, they've been very solid as well. So everything kind of points towards a Chelsea result. Like I said, the consistency in that starting eleven for Chelsea is important. Um, I think Nkunku's getting closer to fitness. I don't think yeah. he'd be ready for this, but he will be um, raring to go. He's another top quality player that might be able to finish his chances at a better rate than some of the boys they've got up there at the yes. moment. Although Jackson's firing at the minute. So um, yeah, my, my bet for this one, looking at the, at the lines in the market, is Chelsea plus naught on the Asian handicap. So basically draw no bet. Chelsea to get the win. Um, yeah, I, I'm just struggling to see who plays at centre-half for Newcastle, who plays at left-back, who plays in attack, because it looks like they've only got Anthony Gordon fit. Yeah, it's not a good scenario for them at all at the moment. Let's take it into the EFL. Mark, you want to take a look at Bolton against Exeter? Yeah, so there's a, a fascinating title race at the top of, of League One at the minute. I think there's four sides separated by about four points. And Bolton are one of those. They were my anti-post selection in League One. It's taken them a bit of time to to settle this season. But since the end of September, they have been in fabulous form, actually. Fabulous winning form, I should probably say, because they've taken top honours in seven of their last eight League One matches. And they're now just one point off the top. They've been consistently good and strong at home at the Tough Sheet Stadium. Fantastic name <laughs> of a stadium. I'm glad you pronounced it like that. Yeah, good. <laughs> be very careful. Um, yeah, six wins from nine in front of the home supporters. I'm expecting them to continue that good form with another victory at home to Exeter, who started the season really strongly, actually. Five wins from their opening eight, but things have really collapsed since then. They've earned just one point from the last eight, and they've lost eight of the last ten. League One matches to drop right down into the relegation pitcher. Gary Caldwell is definitely feeling the heat. And with Matt Taylor out of work now following his Rotherham sacking, it wouldn't be a huge surprise to see a bit of movement there and Taylor return to Exeter. Um, they've lost four in the spin on their travels in League One. They've shipped two goals or more in all four of those and three goals or more in three of those four defeats. It's nine losses in 13 overall when you strip out results against the bottom three. They also rank rock bottom in terms of XG process over the most recent eight, which kind of highlights the fact that results are poor, but on-field performances are, are just as bad. And in those eight games, they've allowed 24 big chances, which is 10 more than the league average over that period of time. So they're struggling defensively and they're going to a team bang in form, bang in the promotion picture. So Bolton to win and over one and a half goals at four to five effectively just rules out the one nil home success. And that's the way I'm playing this. And Mark, you also have a League Two National League double to keep an eye on. Yeah, so just keeping it relatively simple, but uh, backing two home, well-budgeted teams in Wrexham uh, against Morecambe and Chesterfield against Eastleigh, uh, which gives us a, a double around 1.95. Now, Wrexham created what was a, a bit unnecessary, a bit of a furore, really, uh, ahead of their game against Accrington last week. I'm sure everyone has seen it. A bit of an inflammatory tweet towards uh, Accrington Stanley, which kind of came back to bite them as they suffered their first defeat in nine. But they're back at the racecourse ground this weekend where they've been very, very strong, very formidable. Six wins in nine. They've scored at least twice in all of those nine. They've scored three goals or more in six of those nine as well. And this weekend, they're hosting a Morecambe side who are managerless after Derek Adams departed for Ross County in midweek. Um, they have suffered back-to-back -back league defeats as well as losing five or six trips to teams outside of the bottom two as well. Tough ask then to go to Wrexham and put on a show. Uh, Adams' departure has been keenly felt. He's been a you know working minor miracles with the Shrimps for the last couple of seasons. And then there's Chesterfield who are absolutely dominating the National League this season. They've been mentioned a few times on the show already this campaign. They've got a budget which is probably twice the size 
size than most teams in that division. So no surprise to see them eight points clear with 16 wins from 20. That includes beating second place to Barnet at home a fortnight ago, 4-2. Uh, and at home, they've won eight of nine unbeaten games. They've scored twice or more in eight of those. And they've scored three goals or more on seven occasions as well. Very impressive. They're hosting Eastleigh, who have won back-to-back home games, uh, but uh, they've lost half of their away fixtures this season. And despite sitting in mid-table, they are a full 20 points adrift of Chesterfield who topped the table so yeah going to back a, a home win double here at, at 195 but you can boost that price even further by backing both teams and over one and a half goals as well if you so wish Milan have had a wobble domestically but they did get a big Champions League win against Paris Saint-Germain recently they take on a dangerous Fiorentina side Emmett this is a massive game for the Rossoneri because in Serie A they haven't been that great recently yeah exactly they've kind of um quite patchy they've kind of their their that PSG uh, result is probably their best performance of the season but they've kind of in between that they drew at Lecce and then lost at home to Udinese and their kind of XG numbers have kind of fallen off they're currently on the XG will be sitting kind of outside the top top four and this is just kind of a and this is just a really bad spot for them in the sense that they're going to be missing Olivier Giroud, Raphael, Raphael, Raphael Leao, which is 50% of their league goals and 40% of their league assists. Major, major blows. And just and, and, and their replacements just won't, kind of won't be of anywhere near that same quality. And they're up quite a kind of a decent Fiorentina team. Fiorentina is sitting sixth in Serie A. They're not quite as good as that sixth place indicates with their underlying numbers kind of a bit worse than that. I think they can, they can do enough here to kind of um, to avoid avoid defeat against kind of a really weak in Milan, and, and that they look they look they look value to to, to uh, in the kind of winner double chance markets at around one eighty three in the exchange. Let's head back to the Premier League. Then Arsenal make the short trip from North London to West London to face Brentford. Jake, are Arsenal a bit short at one point eight one? Yes, they are. You uh, absolutely nailed it in terms of thinking exactly the same as me. I'm okay, taking them on, on this week, <laughs> um, unsurprisingly. That price is way too short and it's pro- probably really disrespectful to Brentford who not only are a brilliant home team but have got a really good record against good teams when playing host as well. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> they have lost just one of six home games this season. Since the start of last season, they've won 12, drawn 10 and lost just three times. Um, wow. They've averaged 1.9 expected goals for 1.3 expected goals against per home game. And against the big six since the start of last season, they've won three, drawn three and lost just once, um, which is just ridiculous. That's exceptional, isn't it, really? I mean, that's... It's, it's fantastic. And, you know, Thomas Frank deserves all the credit in the world for getting those kind of results, not only just against the, the big six, but just in general. I mean, losing three times across your last 25 home Premier League games is... Incredible for a team with the budget of Brentford. They're massively punched above the weight. We know how they do it. We know the benefits of them doing that. Um, and yet, Arsenal, their away form this season has been okay. Won three, drawn one, lost one. They lost the last away game, obviously, at Newcastle. They were fortunate to get a point at Chelsea, as we've already discussed. Um, and yeah, they, they've just not quite hit the levels I was expecting them to by this stage of the season, especially the levels to warrant them going off at that kind of price at Brentford, a team that very rarely lose at home. Um, so yeah, I, I think the best way to go about this is just backing Brentford plus uh, three, 0.75 plus three quarters on the Asian handicap. You're getting a decent price around 1.9 on the exchange, um, which is half your bet on 
Brentford to avoid defeat, half your bet on Brentford to lose by one goal. Um, it just seems a, the most obvious play on the slate this week for me is just to get Brentford on side. I like to do it anyway, Brentford at home, yeah. um, generally, because they're so good at home. But when you're offering me uh, uh, such a big head start against an Arsenal team that even when they travel, they don't go away and win by wide margins. Um, you know, they generally go away and they they win one nils. I think they had they had a big four nil at Bournemouth, but either side of that, it was one nil at Palace, uh, a one nil win at I'm blanking on the other Everton, Everton this season. Yeah, yeah. so even even so, they, they they I can't see them going to Brentford and doing them by two or three. Um, so yeah, I, I really like the bees here. And of course, it is the David Raya Classico. Uh, injury time goals can be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bets. And now you've got 90-minute payout to rescue you. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description, 18plusbgambleaware.org. Now, we know that Mark O'Hare always has his finger on the pulse when it comes to the biggest games around Europe, the ones that really fill the newspapers and set social media aflame. Today, he's looking at, wait for it, Burgos against Andorra. Mark. <laughs> Thanks for the big build-up, Kev. Um, <laughs> if there's value, I'm going to get involved. And I think there's definitely yes. value in this uh, this game from Segunda, the second tier in Spain. I want to be with Burgos at 2.3 to beat Andorra. Now, Burgos are very much a, a kind of black and white team, really. They're hugely impressive at home, but dreadful away from home. So this season, they've had eight home games. They've won six of those and drawn twice unbeaten. Away from home, they're winless picking up one point from eight away games. <laughs> this weekend, they're at home to Andorra. Uh, they have the third best XG process at home in the division, which is unsurprising considering how strong those results have been. But they're boasting a, a plus 6.8 expected goal supremacy across those wow. eight home fixtures, which is very, very impressive. They've already toppled league leaders uh, Leganes. They've also toppled uh, high-flying Abar. They're in the top six. And I think they're more than good enough to, to see off an Andorra side who do not travel well, which probably isn't a major surprise because as far as I'm aware, there's no major airport and there's also no major train station in Andorra, which means most of their away days tend to be long coach journeys. So if you look at the map of Spain, whilst Burgos isn't a million miles away from Andorra geographically, it's a long and arduous trek in a car or coach. Um, according to Google, it reckons it's a seven-hour journey um, from wow. east to west. Um, so, Yeah, that is Jeez. obviously not <laughs> ideal. <laughs> That's a lot now, of card I'm, games, that is. <laughs> um, now not ideal obviously but uh, last weekend I saw some of their game away at Villarreal B uh, they drew that game nil-nil um, but that match was played in quite comical conditions um, there was a heavy heavy fog you could barely see anything in the second half so unsurprisingly Sorry, no one that is the most you thing in history you watched a fog ruined game between <laughs> Villarreal B and Andorra wonderful one. Yeah, I didn't see all the game. I saw about 40 Nor minutes did anybody of it. by the sand. Yeah, I gave up in the second half. It was ridiculous. <laughs> um, but going into that game, they'd won just once in seven away days. They lost four of them. And if you exclude games against the bottom four, they've earned just one point from five away trips this season. And they've actually conceded twice or more in four of those five defeats as well. Home and away, they're, um, they're winless in seven. I just think they're uh, they're far too, they're given being, being given far too much respect in the market here. And Burgos at two point three are the bet to play. Um, I'd be surprised if that bet doesn't go off a lot shorter than it is at the moment. 
Well, now it's time for the world-famous podcast Treble, a betting feature so popular that Shakira said the best thing about avoiding jail by settling her alleged tax fraud case was that she'll still be able to listen to Mark O'Hare talk about games like Burgos against Andorra. For the lawyers, by the way, Shakira denies any wrongdoing, but she does love the work of Mark O'Hare. So how this works is each of the guys come up with a selection ahead of the weekend's action, and lovely traders like Emmett wrap them up for you in a boosted treble. And Emmett, I will start with you. Yeah, tricky, tr- tricky week for us. Um, I'll go with Fiorentina winner draw, winner draw double chance. The reasons already given uh, away in San Siro at Milan. Jake, I'm going to take us down to League Two, um, and we're going to take Crew to beat Doncaster. Um, Crew, they're looking very, very good. Fifth in the table, just beat Notts County. They've won six of nine at home. Their only defeat. Uh, has come against runaway leaders Stockport. Meanwhile, Doncaster have won two and lost six away. Sixth worst away XG process in the league, second worst attacking process, and their away wins have come against bottom side Forest Green and third bottom Tranmere. So I think there's a bit of a gulf between these two, and I think the price doesn't reflect it, 10 to 11. And Mark, take us home. Um, I will select Bolton to win, as I've already mentioned. I fully expect them to get the job done um, against um, Exeter and keep Shakira happy. And what do Shakira, Taylor Swift and Beyonce all have in common? They absolutely love Marco Hare's Scott Watch. Oh, aye. Escort watch. Mark, take it away. What have you got for us this week? Uh, I'm going to look at the game between Ross County and Kilmarnock on Saturday afternoon. Um, I want to be with Ross County here because for me, they do not deserve to be outsiders at home to, to Killy in this particular fixture for two main reasons, really. Uh, firstly, as already mentioned, they appointed Derek Adams as their new manager this midweek. Um they took him from Morecambe. Uh, it was a surprise move and very impressive, quite audacious move for a club like Ross County. He's incredibly highly thought of in Scotland, especially after some really successful stints, uh, particularly with Ross County, before making the move to England. Uh, they dismissed Malky Mackay during the international break and have brought in Adams. I'm expecting a reaction. Secondly, Kilmarnock are favourites, and it's just not something I can subscribe to whatsoever. They might be in the top six. They might be six points better off than Ross County however they are just wretched on the road and have been for a long time actually uh, at home they play on an artificial surface which has obviously aided their results but uh, away from home they struggled to translate that form uh, and since the start of last season Kilmarnock have won just twice and lost 19 of 25 away days in the Scottish Premiership that also includes two defeats without scoring at Ross County last year uh, this season, they've picked up two points from six away days and only one of those fixtures was against the old firm. So, you know, they have been playing games where they're expected to get results and still been failing to do so. So I'm going to back Ross County double chance and under three and a half goals at uh, 1.84, which obviously gets the draw and win on side and a relatively low scoring fixture. Don't expect things to escalate too much and probably worth mentioning too, but this is the, the longest away day in the Scottish Premiership this season, around about four hours. Uh, car journey between the the two towns so uh yeah it's normally quite cold and damp on a saturday afternoon in late november <laughs> in dingwall so not the most attractive away day for killy um in culture corner we've done ross county 
before, we're actually back in September. They are the club from the Highlands, of course, um, with the famous post office, which was uh, the, of the illustrious 2021 award for being the most improved delivery office of the year in the Royal Mail Awards. Um, well, I mean, it's all been happening up there lately because when trying to read up on the <laughs> fabulous news that gave me the post office award, um, I inadvertently signed up for the local newspaper to learn and read a bit more. So I've been receiving Wonderful. weekly what newsletter updates. What do you mean you updates. inadvertently signed up for the local newspaper? What, by accident? No, the, the newsletter. So uh, oh, the I wanted to get access. And uh, yeah, they keep sending me news from the region. And um, Scott, what is trending? You. People know... <laughs> That if you can get in with Marco Hare, you can, you know, advertise your town, your post office, your products. That's the way it goes. Well, I'll tell you what, things are pretty wild up there in, in Dingwall, in the Highlands. So for Culture Corner this week, I thought I'd just share a wee selection of tidbits that's made the local news <laughs> this week yeah. alone in the Ross County region. All in the same week. We've had the local wow. chip shop landing not one, but two awards, the best chippy in the north and the best fish su supper in the north, both of which were national awards. So if you're in the local area, check out the Seathorf uh, chip shop. Obviously does a, a great fish supper. Never even had one, but sounds delicious. Um, Is this in the north of Dingwall or in the north? Of Scotland or in the north of Europe, what is just Don't in know. the north? That's just what north. I'm saying, is it? Yeah. Right, yeah, okay. just the north. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we've also had a prime cattle show where the judges described the standard of entrance as I quote, probably the best collection of Black Isle cattle he's ever seen. Um, <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Magnificent. Right. And then okay. also on the menu, the final story, Miss Scotland is switching on the local Christmas lights and will be joined by, get this, the Ness Factor winner, which is quite literally the Highland version of X Factor. Um, so obviously the Inverness area are pulling out all the stops wow. to bring some local top quality entertainment. Miss Scotland and the Ness Factor winner switching on the Christmas lights. Miss Scotland and a fine selection of cattle. Who could want more than that? Well, that might be one of the greatest Scott watches we've ever had. <laughs> I want more of that local news. That is that newsletter is dynamite. Let me tell you. Uh, sadly, very sadly, that's all we have time for in this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Plenty more tips coming your way on the Sunday show. Remember, all of our shows are now on Betfair's YouTube channel for non-racing content. You can join the growing army, and it is a virtual army of subscribers. So remember to like and subscribe from Jake from Emmett, from Mark, from Miss Scotland, and from all of those wonderful cattle, and indeed from me. It's goodbye.